Welcome to the Lean Blog Podcast. Visit our website at www.leanblog.org. Now, here's your host, Mark Graben. Hi, this is Mark Graben. Welcome to the podcast, episode 268. My guest today is Tom Ehrenfeld, a longtime friend of mine in the Lean community and Lean Enterprise Institute circles. He is a writer and editor living in Cambridge, Massachusetts. A former writer and editor with Inc. Magazine and Harvard Business Review, Tom is the author of the book, The Startup Garden, How Growing a Business Grows You. He works as a consulting editor for LEI and with many other lean authors. He's a regular contributor to LEI's uh, website, The Lean Post, and eight of his edited books have won the Shingo Research Award. So today we're going to talk about some of the books he's uh, played a role with. We'll talk about um, the evolution of the understanding of lean and his thoughts on shifting from his experience covering startups to thinking about the lean startup methodology in more recent years. So if you would like uh, links to his books, articles, podcasts with other authors that we reference in the discussion here, go to leanblog.org slash 268. Tom, hey, it's great to talk to you again and thank you for being a guest on the podcast. Hey, Mark. Thank you. I'm really, really happy to be here. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy you're here, and I'm, I'm trying to think back. We won't do root cause analysis about why the heck I haven't had you on the show before. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Here, yeah. But here, here we are, so I'm glad we're having uh, – we're going to have a good conversation today. So, you know, for listeners who, who don't know you, who haven't met you or run across you – um, you know, through LEI circles. Um, why, why don't you introduce yourself and, and some of your background in, in your career, and, and we'll dive into uh, some of the details. But how, describe yourself in a nutshell, I guess, for the audience. How's that? Okay, yeah. Um, let me crawl out of the nutshell. <laughs> um, I have a background as a journalist. So many years ago, I started as a local reporter here in Cambridge. And um, I loved being a, a reporter. Um, being in Cambridge, I covered a lot of people who talked a lot. And I, I got kind of tired of what people said, reporting on that, and got drawn to narrative, like writing about stories, discovering the consequences of uh, choices that people made. And I found really quickly the best narratives were um, crime and business. So I, I really didn't want to become a crime reporter. And I, I went became a business journalist. So I eventually worked as an editor at HBR, an editor at Inc., both places where I wrote as well. And about 20 years ago, uh, my wife was on bed rest with our second child, uh, my daughter, and I went solo to have a little more flexibility. And I started um, ghostwriting. That's what I called it at the time. These days I call it more editorial consulting. Because uh, with ghostwriting comes this uh, almost implicit promise that you're going to write for people, which then becomes that you'll think for clients. And I really believe that being an author is tied to being an authority. So I, I really try to work with folks who have something to share and see my job is supporting them mm-hmm. through my background and experience. Um, so I, I got into Lean 10 or 12 years ago, I had written a book of my own called The Startup Garden, which is uh, just how to start a business. 
And I was starting to promote it and reading other blogs, and somehow Lean Thinking was reissued. I read the book. I, I reviewed it on my blog because I mm-hmm. loved it. And out of that, good old Chet Marchwinski mm-hmm. uh, told Womack, Dr. Womack, about it, about me. And they gave me a couple books. Long story short, which I'm not succeeding at. That's <laughs> <laughs> right. Jim invited me over and gave me two manuscripts to look at. One of them was um, The Gold Mine, and the other was Lean Solutions. And he asked if I'd be willing to, if I'd be interested in working. And I was there. I said, yes, yes, please. The Gold Mine, I, I, I read and said, it's really cool. I think it needs some work. Uh, Lean Solutions, I said, it's wow, and you know, please let me uh, work with you guys. And that, that kind of was my introduction. So working on those two books started a relationship with Jim and his colleagues and LAI. And it also became a way for me to learn lean um, through my Gemba, which is working with words on paper. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, you know, I've only done one consulting gig in my life, and we, we can talk about that later, but... You know, my understanding of lean is really has always come from just uh, working closely with some of the best uh, uh, lean writers and thinkers. Mm-hmm. So the first two books were The Gold Mine and Lean Solutions, and that since then I've I've worked extensively for LAI. I, I think I've done about eight eight books maybe as editor, and increasingly um, books. Beyond LAI, I, I worked with Art Byrne on both of his books, um, Dan Markovitz on a couple books he's done, mm-hmm. and a new book from this uh, from Michael Ballet, Dan Jones, Ori Fumi, and Jacques Chez, which will come out next year from McGraw. So, and what's the title of that book? At the moment, we're calling it the Lean Strategy. Mm, okay. And again, not to foreshadow we can uh, absolutely delighted to talk about that one mm-hmm. uh, as well as any of them but yeah, yeah so that that's my background okay. and um yeah so let's um no uh, the startup garden um is uh, the thing that comes to mind when you talk about uh i'm curious if this was the um imagery or the uh the metaphor but in lean people talk about uh farmers versus hunters and a lot of people in business are are hunters they want the quick kill the quick result where farmers uh are, are you know kind of taking a longer term approach just you know by nature um mm-hmm. is there a coincidence to what you were talking about with startup uh with quote unquote the startup garden or, or? yeah absolutely thanks i am um, i think the big takeaway for me after covering startups for you know for a while and being really excited about it was that the kind of process of growing a business in inevitably grew the person or people who founded it. That, you know, there's one set of activities or expertise that helped people find some unique value and deliver it in ways that hadn't been done before. And that you could, you know, do well initially and thrive just transactionally because you were making money. But that any successful business that matured beyond the early phase had to go through a transition. It had to develop capacity 
to grow, to manage people, to be responsive. And the founders either had to expand and you know develop um, a set of competencies identified in the book, you know, ability to manage people by setting boundaries, uh, rough sense of financial literacy, enough to kind of run the company. Um, and so I think it was just this dynamic that prepped me to uh, be so to embrace lean so much because uh, yeah it's 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 having a, an enterprise that delivers value um, beyond transactions or you know discrete outcomes mm-hmm. or outcomes uh, you know that there, you have to kind of grow and have a dynamic to see the business as something organic, generative, that doesn't just grow uh, in terms of bigness, but that expands and becomes something that's well managed and um, you know animated by the people who who do the work and, and are uh, you know the key, the heart of the company. And so then when you had that background and I want to talk maybe a little bit about Lean Solutions because, you know, when that book um, came out, I uh, re- really enjoyed it. I mean, it's been it's been over 10 years now. And I, it seems like that that somehow um, is my uh, perception, kind of underappreciated book. Um, you know, Lean Thinking has been so widely read, um, you know, it was the, the, the earlier book in that series. And I think there was a lot of really forward thinking stuff in lean solutions. Like, I don't know if they exactly predicted Uber. Um, yeah. If you're, yeah. But I mean, there, there was similar discussion of that, right? That people don't want to buy a car. They want to get from point to point. Am I remembering Abs- that clearly or? Spot on, man. Yeah. No, I mean, thank you very much. I, I couldn't agree more. I, uh, I've always felt that lean solutions there's, has never reached the audience that it deserved. Um, that their ideas were amazing and powerful. And the, the basic notion was to extend the idea of delivering value with mm-hmm. minimum waste and, um, you know, in, in the best way, to extend it be- beyond the production, to just the, the delivery of something, to the kind of greater system of, in which it's consumed. Um, to go beyond just a car to the notion of mobility mm-hmm. and then to rethink the whole system itself uh, as a way of constantly getting at better sources of value. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's not car, it's mobility. And absolutely, they saw things such as um, Uber. And parenthetically, uh, Jim Womack it continues to write beautifully on these types of themes. He's addressed this in his um, Yucatan column for Planet Lean, which I have to confess, I'm not his editor. (laughs) Good on you, Roberto Priolo is, and Roberto's amazing. But Jim's doing great writing and has basically touched upon these types of themes at Planet Lean, and I I would really recommend folks to read those. Yeah. But, yeah, so Lean Solutions, it it just... um, you know, you do the best book you can, mm-hmm. and there's a degree of uh, kismet <laughs> yeah. for books to, to well, find their audience or not. Yeah, and and there's um, the most recent book um, by Clayton Christensen, um, Competing Against Luck. Um, 
talk touches on very similar themes. I mean, it's it's the old old story of you know people aren't people don't want to buy a drill; they want to buy holes. And it seems like yeah. Lean Solutions and, and Clayton Christensen's new book um, kind of have similar themes there. And it goes back to this guy Ted Levitt, professor of marketing at Harvard Business School, and his famous HBR piece, Marketing Myopia. Which was completely focused on that very big insight. Well, and I'm I'm looking here. Uh, pulled up the table of contents from Lean Solutions, and and one other thing I wanted to ask you about in terms of you know parallel thinking, and and because you had been studying startups and wrote about startups, and you've been in the Lean world. One of uh, chapter four of Lean Solutions is titled "Don't Waste My Time," which makes me think of. Eric Reese and the Lean Startup Movement, um, a little bit different perspective where I think Eric is talking about, you know, it's disrespectful to software developers to, you know, to to ask them to waste three years of their life building some software product that nobody's ever going to buy. Um, I, you know, what, what are your thoughts on uh, the, the Lean Startup Movement, just kind of generally speaking? Okay. I mean, I, I feel lucky that I mean, my thoughts are informed by lean and startups. I mean, I, I worked at Inc. I'm, this was what I covered passionately, and then I'm I'm as big a lean groupie as any. I think what Reese and his crew have done really well is make lean accessible and appealing to a new community. So I th- I think that's really cool. I think that he's taken a slice of the ideas. Mm-hmm. And I do get cynical, I'll say, because I've been frustrated at times in in a way that I think Lean has been um, co-opted, appropriated, that small piece of the Lean ideas, very powerful, valuable ones, Mm -hmm. have become really popular in ways that miss the bigger picture of what my understanding of mm-hmm. lean is. And please note, I'm not yep. saying I'm correct whatsoever, but um, I, what I think Lean Startup does really well is take this notion of always starting with value, figure out what it is, do you know, rapid experiments through MVPs and the pivoting process, to remove waste from the value identification process Mm -hmm. so that you become a more viable enterprise that much quicker. So I think that's great. My biggest gripe has to do with what it doesn't cover. I I really think it's, it's never said anything meaningful about management, about creating sustainable enterprises and, and, this is my personal assessment. Yeah. I, you know, I wouldn't, and I think that's really missing the key thing. And if I were to, I guess my only other thing is, I think it's a very instrumental application of a small slice of lean principles designed basically to dress up the value of potential ventures who are valuated at their IPO price tag or you know the point is actually not to go public the point is not to dress up the value of the company obviously that is also 
the complete point, but is it built to last or built to flip? Hmm. You know, to, to quote Jim Collins. Um, you know, I've just seen cycles of um, speculative entrepreneurship where people really, it's like, what, what, what do you, what's the point of this company? What's the purpose? Mm-hmm. Um, are you really just trying to create something to sell it to venture capitalists or whomever? You know, where's the enduring value? So I think Lean Startup has identified a powerful set of ideas that people have used, and it's improved their uh, the startup process by removing some waste. But I, I've just found it to be very narrow-sliced in yeah. terms of the ideas they use and, and finally the people who are using it. It's been far less populist, in my opinion. I think it's it's also creating companies that, in fact, concentrate wealth instead of share it and distribute it. So... So I have, I have some ambivalence, you know. Yeah. Well, and I mean, to me, the lean startup movement reminds me of early days of the lean movement where I think people focused too much on, let's say, you know, Kanban and production scheduling strategies and just in time. And, and none of it was incorrect, but it was maybe incomplete, um, right. losing some of the losing side or not delving into or challenging management systems, culture, how to engage everyone in continuous improvement. Um, yeah, I don't know how many lean startups would say, oh, yeah, we engage every employee in continuous improvement. Or are they using certain tactics that aren't bad or wrong, but maybe are, are somewhat just, uh, you know, incomplete view of lean? That's yeah, well, I would question. a few things I, I even believe there's some talk in the lean startup movement that doing CI is is a real challenge that few companies actually do it and and wonder whether that should be a goal. Um, I don't think there cool. should be too orthodox and of an interpretation of lean practice anywhere. I think that if you go back to t, you know TPS, it's about built-in quality and respect for people. Right. And that managerial systems should be designed to spot defects when they occur and train people in a common problem-solving approach that's inclusive and, you know, not solution-based but discovery-based so that people are developed in the course of improving the work. That, that's it, plain and simple. And if a company's not doing that, then in my opinion, it's not lean. Yeah. Well, see, I, I would say that same thing about continuous improvement because the, the, you have the two pillars of um, the Toyota production system. You have just-in-time you know, flow and built-in quality, and a lot of people ignored the built-in quality piece. And right. then they get down this rat hole of, well, oh, lean is about flow and Six Sigma is for quality. And I'm like, no, I think that's, <laughs> that, that misses the point of, of lean. But then you have the Toyota way structure of, continuous improvement and respect for people. And, um, you right. know, I, 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 I do like to me, that is, I mean, I think there's a lot of, um, you know, gray area and approaches for, you know, how do you transform an organization as, as the ballets and art burn and others have talked about, but like, you know, to me, I, I, I would draw the line and say, if, if, if an organization, whether it's a startup or manufacturer or a hospital is just using a few 
you know, tricks or tactics or methods here and there? Um, mm -hmm. Should we really label that lean or lean? Is it lean-ish? <laughs> yeah, and I, I totally agree. And I, I do want to say, because I guess more than two people will hear this, <laughs> you know, good on you, Lean Startup Movement, for sharing and energizing people through these ideas. I, I, I think it's really hard. I think Lean's become so popular that there's factions and schools, yeah. and God knows, you know, it's not about being right. That's in some ways contrary to the spirit of Lean, which is sure. about discovery and openness sure. and not just, like, stopping conversation. I, I don't know how to say that claim and also say I disagree with with some of what I see, um, and I get, well, but do you well, know what I mean? It's like, yeah, I, 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 I don't want to be. I don't. I think it would be contrary to lean spirit to be to diss them. Well, um, I, th I think you can frame it maybe as, you know, a, a hypothesis where I think you were saying you said a couple of minutes ago. Well, you know, continuous improvement is difficult, so maybe that's not necessary. Or you, you could say, well, my hypothesis would be an organization that doesn't engage people in continuous improvements, not really going to be successful over time in a fast changing world. So forget lean dogma or, or anything. My hypothesis would be that's critically important. And yeah, it's difficult, but most things that are worth doing uh, are difficult. What, what's the Womackism? People will try uh, anything easy that doesn't work before they try something difficult that does. Yeah, right? yeah I mean, uh, definitely. So I, mean, I think you, you can have a hypothesis. So, well, my hypothesis is you're going to struggle if you go down that path. Prove me wrong, right? I mean, it's possible. Right, and I'm also, I mean, I, I, mean, I kind of, there's a lot of other stuff I want to talk about, but yeah. I also don't even feel part of this crowd. I feel left out. I'm older. I'm not tech-based. I'm not, I don't swim in the, the world of software-based startups. Um, I, I think there's something that's actually, not very inclusive about this community, even though it espouses that it is. And again, forgive me. This is, uh, I'm saying this is how I feel. Sure. It, it hasn't always spoken to me. It doesn't align, I guess, with what I see as the purpose of Lean, which is kind of building more inclusive companies, yeah. more companies that share the wealth. Uh -huh. And, you know, I think if you look at the way wealth is distributed for companies that have thrived under lean startup principles, I, I, I think at a systems level, it's not, you know, uh, aligned with how, with my more, with my values. Sure. So, well, um, and one other thing I would add maybe, uh, you know, about lean startup and, and I think parallel sometimes between, the world's reaction to Eric Reese and his work and, and what seems to be sometimes the reaction to Jim Womack and, and his work is um, I think some unfortunately a lot of people somehow don't really read the book or don't really get the whole message where like, I think Eric Reese does. I, my, I'm a bit fuzzy. It's been a long time since I've read the Lean Startup, but I know when I was at the Lean Startup conference a year ago. You know, Eric was very much talking about, and I've heard him talk about before, you know, this is not just about tactics for getting a company started. This is about building a different type of company, not rebuilding the type of company a lot of 
people have run away from and and like and and people and I've chatted with him you know kind of privately about this where I think there's a shared frustration that what you know he he's trying to kind of lead people in that direction and and Jim Womack tries to talk to people about you know modern management and and it seems like sometimes people are either just they have blind spots or they're not receptive to that or they don't want to engage in that side of the, the the conversation, they gravitate back to well, what are the tools I can use right now? Like, oh, yeah, forget culture. I want to do value stream mapping. You know, I, I think what I'd love to see. I don't think Lean Startup has its Toyota, <clears throat> or even the cast of characters that say Lean Thinking features concerning mm-hmm. Lean. Mm-hmm. I'm. I don't. I've never read Lean Startup management. To, to me. I don't, so I'm eager to see that, yeah. is, is I guess what I'm saying. And, um, and until then, in some ways, it's a, it, to me, it's kind of heurist, heuristic set of principles. Yeah. I mean, I, I, a company that makes avatars, the it, it's such a heuristic little example of its own success. It's, mm. it's, it's designed, you know, on a computer screen to mimic the world and, to claim the success of this, um, you know, synthetic fabricated world as a validation of a set of principles is a weird, you know, foundational case of confirmation bias to me. Mm, so, yeah. so, you know, I, I, I actually, <laughs> I have an open mind. There's really exciting stuff about it. I'm just um, cynical by nature. Yeah. And, I'm not seeing a lot of the uh, core lean literature thinking that that I've been exposed to through Lean Enterprise Institute and the the set of thinkers I've worked with. I don't see it really captured in this movement. So, so that's it for me. It's like I, I, uh, I yeah. All right. So let, let's move on and talk about some of the you know you mentioned the literature. You've you've played a big role <laughs> in uh, a lot of. The books that people love within uh, the lean literature. Um, you mentioned the gold mine earlier, Michael and Freddie Ballet. Um, you know, I've had uh, Michael uh, on the podcast talking about uh, his later book in the series, uh, "Lead with Respect." Mm-hmm. Um, so I would encourage people to go. That is episode two fourteen. Uh, if people want to go and and find that, but um, can you talk about that trilogy a little bit and um, you know the, the the format of them? Uh, um, you know, I've, I've told Michael this. I've said the same to to Pascal Dennis, and like I'm not a fiction reader, so business novels just don't don't grab me. Um, uh, so I haven't read Michael's books as much as people love them, and as much as I respect Michael. Um, can you talk a little bit about? The process, or you know, the thought behind framing those as, as novels, and I'm sure they reach far more people because I'm the I'm the weirdo who doesn't read fiction. But what? Give me some give it give the listeners some perspective <laughs> and background on that series. Mark, you are not alone. I, I will we'll just start by saying that <laughs> there's many people who don't like the business novel format. I, I think that's valid, mm-hmm. um, and I think. There's at times with the Michael books, Michael and Freddie, you know, that that there's uh, literary flourishes that also don't always uh, rub people the right way. Mm-hmm. That, that That's okay. I, um, I, I, the, the, the reason 
that Michael and Freddie shared their lean knowledge through a, a fictional format is because it enabled them to, them to tell individual stories of lean practice, of lean transformation by rooting them in, in specific companies. Basically, th there's <laughs> the way you become lean is by doing lean. You know what I mean? It's like lean above all other practices is not something that you teach as an abstract set of practices and principles. And so any book that tries to give you this broad overview and tell you what lean is, is, I don't want to say incomplete, but it, it's, it's missing the kind of messy nature of how you really learn, learn lean. Sure. So these books are all messy, and, and I really like that. They say, okay, we're just going to tell one story and show how there's a problem up front, and with the help of a sensei, because you really, really need a sensei, alas, um, the people involved start to frame what that problem is and then take countermeasures. But these are always very Gemba-based, specific, immediate um, approaches that show how the system is creating waste, that challenge the people doing the work and subsequently challenge their managers. You know, it always, each of the books is comprehensive in some ways, but episodic and specific in the, the way they, they sequence the problems and, and show how you, you, you make, you know, you make things better somewhere. And then because lean is a systems approach, it creates new problems. And yeah. then you tackle those new problems and you do so in a learning full way. You always do so not instrumentally, you know, not just to make money or even expose waste. All of these approaches are designed, um, yes, to expose waste and create tension in the flow um, so that you, you have to stop when things aren't going right and, you know, uh, learn what's not right and respond. Um, but there's a kind of messy sequence to learning lean, which has to do with that you learn it by doing it. So, yeah. so the books are novels to just try to capture that specific quality you know this this is how you this is a different way to reveal how people learn learn lean yeah and so you know you you mentioned you know those first projects you were involved in lean solutions is a very um you know kind of you know typical non-fiction business book you have uh, the ballet series of of business novels um managing to learn is another book with its own kind of unique <laughs> challenging format that is i don't remember there being like to me the thing i roll my eyes at with business model novels is you know the subplot of the lead character and his troubled marriage at home and you know but i don't think managing to learn um got into backstory of um of john shook and uh of and his sensei but can you can you talk about you know that decision to do the sort of dual parallel story format of um gosh i'm blanking out uh, Sorensen and uh, porter porter and sanderson porter and sanderson a blank sure. jet lag for not remembering that but 
<laughs> telling those stories in parallel from each of their perspectives was a very unique approach. Sure. Um, so Managing to Learn was a book I believe we published in 06, 2006, and is written by John Shook, currently the uh, chairman and CEO of LEI. Mm -hmm. And, you know, along with, with Jim and Dan, really one of the uh, key lean thinkers. So it's deeply informed by John's experience as, uh, an, you know, the, he was the highest American, I think, to work at Toyota in Toyota City. And I was think he was really, the first. Could be. Yeah. Um, you know, and went on to be instrumental with the NUMI plant mm -hmm. and TSSC. And um, John has, by the way, this wonderful capacity to... Uh, uh, reflect on his own experience and put his back, you know, m and put that into words that resonate with people in a, in a very kind of touching and instructive way. So John had worked on a book earlier with Mike Rother called Learning to See, which shared the principles of value stream mapping. Learning to See was absolutely designed as a managerial book and not a tool book. And I know this from having talked to Jim, John, and the folks at LAI. It was meant to help people reveal waste through using this common practice at Toyota as a way of better management, delivering more value, and, and, and many aims of lean management. Learning to see was a kind of runaway success. And people use it as a tool book. We can use this really cool map to find out where we're uh, doing wasteful yeah. stuff and then optimize the processes let's just let's yeah. just correct let's, it let's do a3s i mean looking at it as a tool right well but this so this is prior to managing to learn what oh, happened you're talking about learning, learning to see sorry right yeah learning was, to see was, about value stream mapping again i'll so, blame i'll blame jet lag sorry <laughs> you can you can keep blaming it sure <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I get to blame it too. I'm, I'm, yeah. Um, so I was working, and just I've always been an independent contractor. I'm, I'm not a yeah. an employee of LAI. They've just been my primary client and a delight. Obviously, <laughs> what a gift. Um, so. There was this notion that John now could write a book on A3. Right. And let's, I'll say I was part of the editorial team, and we came up with this idea that using the A3 template as a structure could be a really nifty way to you know, organize the book mm -hmm. and, and teach people how to use A3. Because of his experience with um, learning to see, John deeply want, believed that he, he didn't want this book to become another popular tool book, which merely extracted this powerful tool, but missed the deeper underlying reason for it. So, and, and, and honestly, all you can ever do with the product is make it the best thing you can and tell people how to use it 
but they're going to use it the way they choose to. That is mm-hmm. their kind of prerogative. Sure. Um, so we we had a lot of conversations. Um, you know, John, Jim Womack was on the team. This great guy, George Tananez, who uh, has contributed to many LAI books. Mm-hmm. Um, we basically got to this point where, where it was like, well, why don't you write two books? One will be from the perspective of the person creating the A3. And that will be a little more focused and instrumental on its value as a problem-solving tool. You know, he'll come up with a better approach to the problem that's given him. And the other book will be written by this person's manager who will share the basis for using the tool and, and kind of share what this person is thinking about and, and provide contacts to his, and I'm using gender here, his, mm-hmm. his or her, basis for assigning the A3 and and helping kind of reveal the context. You know, you don't want people jumping to solutions. You want to encourage inquiry. You want to base decisions in facts, facts, facts from the Gemba. And so we went down this path and pretty quickly said, well, let's just put the two books together. So the, the dual columns was... A, was a countermeasure to a problem we were facing. Mm. And the problem was, let, you know, let's not, I'm not expressing it as a gap, we, we wanted to avoid a repeat of a uh, having a popular book be perceived as simply a tool book. Yeah. Extracted for, you know, short-term instrumental point optimization purposes. So that was our best effort to um, create a dynamic where you could see the tool in action as well as the the frame, the the reason for it, and the thinking of the manager, and um, you know, I, I I've always loved that book. I, I think it's it was a lot of fun, and and it's become really popular. It contributed, unfortunately, to yes, a lot of adoption of A threes as a tool. You know, we, what can you do? The yeah. book was written with a purpose in mind. I think it's a good book. And if people have used it in a certain way, I, I, I'm not, I can't, they're not wrong. Okay. Sure. They're not wrong. It's, it, that's, that's not the thing. And, and it, again, speaks to my sometimes frustration with people claiming to be right and orthodox and the only teacher. You know, there has to be open mind about the sharing of this knowledge and if people anyways that's a <laughs> point being the book has been really I think popular and successful and has helped folks uh, with this right so right well and let's in the time we've got left at least touch on a couple of authors and other books you've been sure. uh, involved with um, uh, and, and people who have also been guests here on the podcast series, uh, Dan Markovitz, who I, I consider to be a, a good friend of mine, um, with his book, uh, A Factory of One and Building a Fit Organization. Um, when you talk about um, some, you know, your, your thoughts on Dan's books. Sure. And actually, parenthetically, I, I, to even mention Dan brings a smile to my face, I just have to say, like, one of the reasons I've stuck with lean is is I I mean this sounds so 
um, happy, but I, I love the, the people I work with. It's it's there's just something about people who are real serious lean thinkers that's very engaged in the world, very kind of optimistic, but not falsely so. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's it's really for me. It's been a privilege. Like I work with Dan, and I mean John Shook is a great guy. Yeah, Jim Womack. Oh my God, you know I mean I love Jim. Dan Jones, mm-hmm. Michael Ballet is a really good friend. It's just like there's, I've been very fortunate. You know, I think the people who do the lean work tend to have um, uh, just bring something to the table that makes this work great. So, forgive that digression, but no, <laughs> that's a good point. I agree with you. Yeah, yeah, and um, Dan is just a really good guy, smart thinker. And he has taken lean thinking in some new directions. I got to know Dan just through through the work, and um, he basically, you know, just served as his editor for his two books. Mm-hmm. I think his first book is is terrific. A Factory of One helps people see how these lean principles can apply at a personal level. Um, I, I think that and uh, Jim Benson's book, Personal Kanban, are, are, are really the, the best books in the, the field. Mm-hmm. And it's it's really practical, Dan's book. It's really smart. And, you know, I, I just thought it was a lot of fun to work on. And I, I definitely nagged Dan to do the next book, which is Building the Fit Organization. And... I got to say, if there's a Lean Solutions type thing for any book, recent book, I'd say it's Dan's. I mean, Building the Fit Organization is a great book. It, it really creates an ambitious metaphor and, and then uh, details what it means. He, he, he tells companies, you know, he says Lean's really about being fit. I mean, Dan's great in saying don't get caught up with the Japanese terminology and don't try to be Toyota just think about what lean is saying you know be and and then he tells you how to do it and he bases his recommendation um on a a a very smart synthesis of of lean practice yeah and and he and he captures it within within what i think is an elegant and and sticky framework yeah i mean the book both of his books have been successful i i think that um fit organization uh, could be more so, mm-hmm. um, and and that's not saying anything about Dan or anything. It's I'm it to me I it's my it's because I hold the book in high regard. Uh, so listeners, go buy Dan Markovitz, Building the Fit Organization. Um, and that, on a personal note, that book is one of Shingo. I think I think I'm up to eight that you've been involved in. Yeah. 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 Three Ballet, Managing to Learn, both books by Dan. Art, Art Burns, The Lean Turnaround. Art, I guess The Lean Turnaround didn't win the Shingo. No. You want to talk about Art? Yeah, we've, we've only got a couple of minutes, but um, yeah, Art, uh, Art Burn from Wire Mold um, back in the day, and then author of The Lean Turnaround. I've, I've interviewed Art. We're going to do a podcast soon on the the new book which is the lean turnaround action guide is that right yes yes it is uh 
and naturally put art under this category of, oh my God, I'm so lucky to work with these folks. Mm-hmm. Art's Art is the real deal. I mean, Art led Wiremold. He he led 30 companies through lean turnarounds as uh, through his private equity work. And Art is so grounded. You know, he's he's gruff and direct and completely cares about people, and, and he does what he says. You know, like Art is the real deal. Not like any others aren't. But um, so I, yeah, I, I worked with Art. I was his editor on The Lean Turnaround, which was published by McGraw-Hill uh, four years ago. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, you love all your babies. I, I, uh-huh. That book, that book is, I think, just terrific. It's, it, it, and my work as an editor often is to do as little as possible. You know, I, I, I worked very hard to be restrained and let art speak in his own voice, um, which I think comes across in that book. Yeah. Um, and it's, I, this is very good, succinct. Um, it, it shares lean on a, I think on a, f- uh, more systematic basis. Um, and shares his viewpoint. Some might see it old school Kaizen based. I see it as more than that. Or Kaizen event based, which, yeah, and I I believe it's more. I believe that it is through this introduction to it that people are converted and it's mm-hmm. done with respect for people and patience and done thoroughly and um, with fortitude over time. It does engage the people and art is not about layoffs. I mean, I don't even feel the need to defend it. I'm just saying that... Um, his book starts there and then is, in my mind, one of the few books to show you how you expand and do this as a strategy, how it informs investment decisions and acquisition decisions and falls through to the bottom line and enterprise value. So I thought, I'm sorry, that was a great book. And now we have just published a sequel that's called The Lean Turnaround Action Guide. It's also published by McGraw. And I'll be interviewing Art real soon about that. So I encourage people to um, keep an eye out for that. Um, Tom, I'm I'm really sorry. We are literally out of time. I know it's an arbitrary cutoff okay. for podcast length, but as, as scheduling in the real world occurs, um, we're bumping into time. Um, but uh, Tom, I really want to thank you for uh, for being a guest here. Um, you know, again, Tom Ehrenfeld. Um, has been our guest sharing reflections on a lot of books and projects and perspectives that you've been involved in. How, how can, as a final thought, how can people find you and connect with you online, social media, places like that? Oh, um, I'm kind of under the radar. I mean, <laughs> I've talked about the books I've worked on. I work as a, you know, freelance editorial consultant. Um, my, Email is tomarenfeld at gmail.com. Reach out if you have any questions. Absolutely. Um, My book is A Startup Garden. I will be writing my own books again. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, yes, I will. And, um, yeah, I'm on Twitter under my name as well. Mostly lean, sometimes other Mm -hmm. griping. But, um, 
Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, Mark, listen, like, I think it was 15 years ago, I first, we became friends because I was a fan. I read your lean blog when it first started. Uh, it was more like 10, 11 years ago, but yeah. Oh, it only feels like 20. <laughs> <laughs> it only feels like 15. Yeah, but it was so good and so thorough. I, I was tugging at the sleeves of people at LAI and saying, hey, look at this guy's so good. So, the feeling is mutual. I, 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 it's really kind of a privilege to be on the blog. I, I, I thank you. And um, I, I think your books are great. You know, this sounds, but yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm a big supporter of yours. So this is, this is really a lot of fun. Oh, well, well, thank you. And um, Tom, always a, a pleasure to talk to you. Glad we could finally uh, have a chat that we record here for the podcast. We'll, we'll talk again soon, I hope. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Thanks for listening. This has been the Lean Blog Podcast. For lean news and commentary updated daily, visit www.leanblog.org. If you have any questions or comments about this podcast, email mark at leanpodcast at gmail.com.